0: everyone, welcome to the Lakemount Young Adults Podcast. We are the Young Adults Ministry of Lakemount Worship Centre, and we are on a mission to connect young adults to the life-changing presence of Jesus Christ. We meet every Monday night at 7pm, and we'd love to have you join us. You can find more information on our socials, but in the meantime, we hope you enjoy the message for this week. Yeah, so I was pretty much born at Lake Mount. I, uh, yeah, when the church was, well, I was actually born not in this building. We were in another building at the time. Um, That just shows you how old I am. But I have been a part of Lake Mount. I I left and I came back, but I've been a part of this church family in some capacity for over 35 years. I'm actually 37. And um, I was saved in the West Hall, just across there behind our cafe. I remember I have a lot of moments in this building, and tonight is going to be another memorable one. I'm believing for just a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit upon you guys. And uh, I am speaking about calling, so thank you, Lewis. You set that up great. Thank you, buddy. So I really did feel a call of God on my life here in this building, so I don't think it's by any surprise that that's what we're talking about tonight. Um, Before I get into the actual word, I actually had a couple of words of knowledge for healing that I'd like to go after. Um, God has kind of put that gifting on my life, and so um, if that's okay, I'd like to do that. Um, So I saw a picture of, like, a a joint. It looked like a finger or a toy, or or a toe, sorry. Almost like, yeah, a toy, a little toy toe, you know? Uh, (laughs) And it was like the joint was kind of damaged, like, as if, you know when you're playing basketball and it, like, hits you on the tip of the finger and your joint is, like, just aches? Or like, it uh, might be hammer toe, um, So if that's for somebody here, awesome, Calvin right up front. If there's for anybody else, I want to I wanna pray for you. And I have a couple more words, but let's go after that one first. Um, yeah, if you're sitting around him, would you just push, put a hand on Calvin? And guys, stretch out your hands towards him. Jesus, we thank you that you're here. Your presence is here to heal. And so we just ask right now that you would heal that joint pain that, that Calvin's feeling. And God, would you... Would you heal him, touch him in every area of his, of his body that may be feeling that, that disconnection or that jammed feeling, and, and we speak to that pain, and we say, go right now, in the name of Jesus, amen, amen. Okay, and another one I, I actually saw and felt, which is, I usually will feel uh, pain if it's for somebody else, but this one I, I saw and felt, it was kind of at the same time, so it was kind of weird. Um, where your chest and your shoulder muscles connect. I felt like a tearing and a pulling, and I kind of saw a bit of a rip. Um, So that might be your right side, your left side. So if you have chest tearing muscle pain, is that for anybody in here? (laughs) Right up front, awesome. This is great. Now, if I'm wrong, by all means, don't feel like you gotta make me feel good here. But um, yeah, so is there anybody else? We'd like to pray for you, Becky, but is there anybody else that has that? Yeah, right here. I don't know your name, otherwise I'd say it, but (laughs) if you could just reach out your hands towards them right now, and uh, those sitting around her, just put your hand on her shoulder. God, we just ask you right now, would you heal the pain in these bodies, Lord? Would you restore that muscle pain, that tearing? God, would you put all the ligaments back together where there's maybe that stretching, God? God? and all the resetting of muscle and bone and tendon, Lord, we just ask for just a mighty move of your power right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I just have one more, and this one is maybe a little bit more awkward, but um, it's, I had to actually research it because I saw a picture of it, and I didn't know what it was called, but the medical term is a hemangioma so it's like a red or purple lump on the skin that you maybe had from birth or it might be something that just kind of happened if there's anybody bold enough to raise your hand for that yeah paul right over here yeah for your daughter okay is there anybody else okay yeah let's stretch out our hands to paul over here put your hands on him and let's pray for that she is. Okay, wow. Yeah, she's going to the doctor tomorrow. All right. Jesus, we pray right now that you would touch her body right now, Jesus, that this hemangioma does not have any power over, over her future, Lord. Would you just remove that right now? Whatever is causing the, the growth, whatever is causing the redness or the, the coloring or the discoloration, would you rip it out at the root? In Jesus' name, would you move in a mighty way, Lord? Would you strengthen the faith of this family that this would be a testimony for the ages to come? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So, before we move on, I would be, I would be in a bad spot if I didn't ask, does anybody feel like you've been healed? Again, don't feel like you've got to make me feel good if, if that's not the case. We'll keep praying for you guys, but <laughs> Okay. Awesome. Yeah, so I, I, was, I was called here as, as a child. Like, I, I met Jesus, and uh, I also felt the call on my life. I remember very specifically, maybe some of you remember Terry Bone here. Um, when I was a kid, he came on staff here as the lead pastor. And um, the pastor we had before that, uh, they had a very striking, obvious similarity that I think basically any child would notice. Um, and for some reason, God highlighted to me that they both had this, and it was actually that they're both going bald. And I thought, in that moment, I thought, man, if, if people like are, that call, are called to be a pastor, they go bald, may, maybe that's not for me. Um, like, my grandpa's not bald, so I don't really want to go bald. Um, but I, I actually remember that um, right in the back room, right over there, so... That's just for for fun, but um, so yeah, this building has a really special place in my heart, and so I want to ask you tonight, um, what are you called? So when we're talking about calling, it's not just about what are you called to, but what are you called? Your titles that you carry actually have a lot; Um, they really speak to you. So some titles I carry: I'm I'm a husband, I'm a father. I have two kids. I'm a business owner. I'm a friend. Uh, I have a lot of titles, it seems like, but i uh, not bragging or anything. I actually wrote them down so I wouldn't forget. I was the young adults leader here for nine years, believe it or not, um, which was a lot of fun, and I met a lot of you, but there's a lot of new faces here, which is cool. Before that, I was a youth leader. That's another title I carried, youth leader. Um, now I'm a worship leader here at the church, and I get the opportunity to lead Uh, missions teams to Guatemala, which is incredible. So they call me a leader. Um, So here's a little plug for our LMI trip we're having coming up. Uh, April 13th to the 20th, the LMI uh, students were all going to Guatemala. So if you know one of them and maybe you're feeling like your wallet's a little fat and you want to bless them, now is the time. So please pour out into them and just know that when you bless others to go, you'll be blessed as well. Awesome. So why don't we pray? Jesus, I thank you for tonight. I thank you that you have brought us all to this place, Lord. And I just ask that you would bless my tongue as I speak tonight, bless my mouth, bless the words that I say. And God, would you ultimately be the one that's conveying this message? I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Awesome. So has anybody ever asked you what you're called to? Yeah? That's pretty common in, I would say, like church communities that you might be be asked, what are you called to? Um, The very first primary thing that we're called to as a Christian is a life with Jesus. You are called. Your title is Christian. That means little Christ. Um, So you're not just here to sit in a seat and Hang out and take it in and go home at the end of the day and not be changed. You're here to become more like Jesus. That is your primary calling in life. If you don't have that, the rest of this message means basically nothing to you. Um, So, how do we cultivate that relationship with Jesus? Well, the first thing is prayer. That's the first thing. Reading His Word. Your Bible is not just a book that your grandparents read. Your Bible is a book that you should be reading. The other important thing is worship is a great way to grow in your relationship with Jesus. And my final point is growing in community by serving the local church. So a little plug here. I know they said it tonight. If you feel like you don't really know a lot of people on a Monday night here, get signed up to do something. Serve at the cafe. Greet at the doors. Be a host. Be I don't know the the titles you guys still have, but get involved. There's no better way to get to know people than to look them in the face and say hi. (laughs) I mean, it's as simple as that. It really doesn't need to get complicated. Now, the, the next thing we're going to talk about is your personal calling. So you're not just called to a life with Christ, and that's it. There's more to your calling. So you have a personal, individual calling that is unique to you, And God wants to use you to reach people in his unique way that he has designed for you. So your unique calling, you can actually test that calling. So I'm going to give you, this is a bit of a teaching before we get to the preaching, but just quickly, three ways you can test your calling. Availability, if you're taking notes, availability. Is there someone else doing the thing that you feel called to? Is an opportunity available in your area? So, let's use being the worship pastor at Lake Mount as your example. Is there somebody already as the worship pastor here at the church? Yes, there's Levi. Does that mean you're called to be the worship pastor at Lake Mount? In this season, definitely not, because that's his calling. (laughs) So that's my example. Okay. The next one is ability. You can test your calling with your ability. So your ability, if you're called to be the worship pastor here at the church and you can't sing and you can't play an instrument and you know nothing about music, I hate to tell you, but you're not called to be the worship pastor here at the church in this season. (laughs) So it needs to be an option for you. Now the third and final way you can test your calling is its unavoidability. It needs to be a strong desire, or there's like an itch to do it. It's something that you feel like like you are thinking about it all day long. Maybe you dream about it. Maybe you are talking about it with friends all the time, and they're like, man, you are so annoying about how you want to be the worship pastor (laughs) at Lake Like, It's unavoidable how much you are feeling called to it. It's unavoidable. So you can actually have your calling confirmed and... Here's six really tested and true ways you can have your calling confirmed. Your calling is confirmed by people who know you. It's confirmed by prophetic words. It can be confirmed by your fruit on your life and your experience. So this starts to kind of focus the narrow, like narrows down the focus a little bit to what you've experienced in your life. So, um If you, again, if you can't play guitar, but you're starting to learn, it's possible that with that experience and with that time, you're going to be able to get to a place where you can join a worship team, right? You don't just suddenly feel called to be on the worship team, and you're gifted with that anointing right away and that ability. Um, It just doesn't happen that way. So you have to put in the time and have that experience, and the fruit of practice is how you get to be somebody who can play an instrument. So it can also be confirmed by your inner knowings and your heart's desires. So that goes back to that unavoidability, right? Your calling is something that you will know. You will not, aside from the sovereignty of God, you will not be called to something that you don't really want to do. So it will be, and I say the caveat about the sovereignty of God because he is able to pull you and make you do something, and we see examples of that in the Bible, and Jonah is a great example of that. However, for the majority of us here, that's not going to be the case. So it can also be confirmed by your spiritual gifts, abilities, and your developed skill sets. So that goes back to playing guitar would be your developed skill, set, skill sets um, and abilities. Um, now, if you're wanting to be a pastor, it's very possible that you will have that confirmed through spiritual giftings or it will be confirmed through um, just different testing that you can do to see, you know, where do I fit in as, as where are my strengths in the five-fold ministry. So it's all really practical, I know, but we're going to get to to preaching soon, I promise. Okay, it can also be this is the sixth way your calling can be confirmed. The final way I'm going to talk about, it can be confirmed by others who are already working and fully operating in that calling. So, if Levi came up to you and was like praying for you, he's like, man, I really, uh, I, I, I feel like God is calling you to be a worship leader and I don't know if you even play an instrument, but I feel like maybe there's an anointing on your life to lead people in worship. Like, that's now confirmed by somebody who's doing that. They know what it feels like. They know what what the anointing of that feels like. So that can be confirmed that way. So we have seasonal callings. So whatever season you're in right now, the majority of you here, you're in college or university, I'm guessing, or you're now in the workforce, or you might be a stay-at-home parent, and that season you're in right now is probably not the same season you were in 10 years ago, right? It's not the same season you're going to be in 10 years from now. Hopefully, 10 years from now, you'll not still be in college if you are right now. Um, that's not good. Um, <laughs> so in this season that you're in right now, you need to be faithful with what God has given you. That means doing your assignments if you're in school. That means if you're running a business, you're running that business with integrity. If you're working for somebody, and even if your boss is the most crooked and backwards person, it's doing your best job every day you show up. You don't get to work late. You show up, and you have a smile on your face, and you take it serious that you could be the person that's going to change the atmosphere in the room. So just be faithful with what you have. So in Luke 16, Jesus talks about money, but the principle is actually for every area of your life. Uh, He says, One who is faithful in very little is also faithful in much. And one who is dishonest in a very little is also dishonest in much. Now you can see examples of that very principle at work when somebody who is living in the poorest areas wins the lottery. They're not really good with their money that they have when they're living on uh, EI or something. And then they win the lottery and all of a sudden they're just, they blow it on the most crazy stuff. Um, Like partying on a yacht with all their friends. A bunch of babes. Um, That was Pastor Matt. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard you say babes too many times. I I don't know how that's happened, but here we are. (laughs) I just say it, it's actually a miracle that I've talked this long without coughing. I've literally had a cough for like 10 days, so praise God. I'm so thirsty, it's true, yeah. <laughs> All the water's up here. All right, so a bit about my story. So I began playing drums when I was in grade seven. Yeah, I was a punk rock drummer to the core. I was in a punk band, and we would play local shows, and we would. I had the wallet chain, I had the spiked bracelets. I was as punk rock as you can imagine for a 12-year-old, <laughs> and uh, I did that all through high school. got better, obviously, the more I played, and uh, I would still play drums on Sunday at my church, but to me, it was more just the thing I did so that I could play drums and be uh, in a punk band. And uh, there was not a lot of drummers in my high school, and I really, like, didn't want to play Metallica. And for some reason, every band wanted to play Metallica, but that's just a side note. Um, I really wanted to go on tour. That was what, when I was in school, you know when they, they take you into the guidance office, and they're like, what do you want to do with your life? Like, when you're done here, where are you going to go to university? And I was like, I'm going to jump in a van with all my buds we're going to, like, drive to the border and like, try and get shows? Like, I didn't know. I had no idea how to go on tour. <laughs> and so um, things started falling apart because my band wasn't that good. <laughs> and so uh, I, I was just basically working. I didn't, I didn't go to school. The couple times I tried to go to school, things just didn't really turn out well for me. And uh, I was working a really not great job. Um, back then, I was making like $9 an hour, and that was like minimum wage. Um, and that was not a lot, in case you didn't know. Um, and so I just felt stuck. So I, pr- I was praying, called out to God, and uh, one day, reading in my Bible, I was reading where Jesus is praying, and he's teaching his disciples how to pray. And the part where he says... His kingdom come and his will be done. Um, That is where I felt my calling begin to shift. Um, I prayed for his will to be done in my life. And, like, if we're honest, me playing drums in a punk band at 19 would be totally awesome and super cool, right? But I'd probably be led into a life of drinking and drugs and bibs and all that stuff instead of, you know... (laughs) playing drums at church and digging into that, Um, and so I I started getting a little bit more serious with stuff, and then um, I got this random dream um, that I was leading worship uh, in front of probably about 200 people, and that was super intimidating, Um, but I didn't know how to play guitar, and I wasn't a great singer. I'm still not a great singer, but um, I had this dream that I was leading worship in front of people, and I felt, I felt like when I woke up, I wrote it down, and I felt like this was a, like a dream I remembered. It wasn't like a dream that happened and then left. I feel like those dreams don't really mean a whole lot, but this one stuck with me, and I thought about it for days, and I was praying about it, and I really felt like God was saying in that moment, one day, when the timing's right, And if you steward this gift, this will be your reality. Now, I knew like one chord on guitar. It was a C major. And uh, that was all I knew. Uh, So how do you lead worship with that? Well, here's a little cheater's guide. You don't. (laughs) So I started to learn. And uh, that's basically where my journey began. I uh, went off to Bible school and met Paul, actually, believe it or not. We were playing together, and Paul taught me a few things about guitar, and I broke his brain on one chord, I think, but it was good times. (laughs) And then, uh, so... So then I left that church that I was at then. Um, It was kind of a training ground, and my home church called me back. It wasn't here. It was a small church plant of about 50 people, and the senior pastor was about to leave, and they asked... um, he asked me if I'd come in and lead worship, and so I did. And then when he left and they needed somebody to kind of help keep things stable, they had a, a pastor coming in um, who was basically just visiting. He would come in and preach every once in a while, but they needed somebody who could lead worship every week. And there was a lot of youths so that were ho- hoping to have a youth program. Now, I did not I was not a good guitar player, but I was learning. <laughs> this was my training ground where... I'm leading worship in front of 50 people who are super gracious. I mean, they, they did not boo even once. Uh, they sang along, and they clapped, and it was great. So then uh, the season of, of that was starting to feel like it was coming to an end. Um, Beck and I were engaged, and we realized we needed to go to a church that could actually have a real actual kids program so that when we have children, they would not hate the church. And so we came to Lake Mountain. We've never left. But when we were there, I was doing a character study on Old Testament heroes uh, with the youth group. And this actually completely changed my perspective. So I was reading about Abraham and I learned important lessons about guarding my calling. So that's what we're talking about tonight is guarding your calling. Now I'm willing to bet that everybody here lives in a house. Is that fair to say? Does anybody here not live in a house? I mean, apartment building is included in that, but... Okay, everybody here, I'm sorry if you live in your car, but this still, this still works. You lock your house when you leave, and you lock your house when you sleep, maybe, some of you. But if you, let's say, you had your purse in your car and you're at the mall, you're going to lock that door. <laughs> you're not going to leave it unlocked, Right? We guard what is important to us. So your calling is actually super important. So Abraham was given this promise from God. Now Abraham was the first person that God spoke to since the time of Noah. So Noah, then there's ten generations that go by, and then Abraham. So nobody's really heard from God in ten generations, So Noah is his great-great-great-great-eight-great's grandfather, if we're going based on biblical genealogies. And so God calls Abraham out, and he says, and he's not a Jew at this point. This is really important to know. There's no such thing as Jews at this point. (laughs) God speaks to him, and he says, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. You've probably heard this before. If you've been at church for longer than a year, you've probably heard this at least once. Abraham was completely not serving God, was not attending a church, not attending synagogue. He was actually worshiping some other deity, some other God, and then the God that we know spoke to him and said, you are to leave what you're doing, leave your family, leave your country, and you're going to go to the place that I show you. And if you do, I'm going to bless you, and generations are going to come from you. What we might fail to miss is that Abram, at that time, his name doesn't have the H, it's Abram, He's 75 years old. Who in this room is 75 years old? That's what I thought. (laughs) He's 75 years old. He's married. But he doesn't have kids yet. That's a problem when God's telling you he's going to make generations come from you and be a blessing. So, that's in... Genesis 12. Now the next chapter God expands on that promise. And he says, Lift up your eyes and look from the place where you are, northward and southward and eastward and westward. For all the land that you see I will give to you and to your offspring forever. I will make your offspring as the dust of the earth, so that if one of you so that if one can count the dust of the earth, your offspring can also be counted. The dude is 75 years old. (laughs) His wife is 10 years younger than him. Okay, 65, maybe. We could see that, maybe, potentially. I mean, if you're really stretching your imagination. They say if you're 40 years old right now and you get pregnant, it's high risk. Okay? That's fact. That's 2023 with all the technology we have, all of the experience that we think we have written in books, and we have Google now we can't make it not high risk if you're over 40 she's 65 right kind of crazy to think now god is telling them this and they choose to leave where they are they go and they're finding this land god showed him the land to to abram and said for as far as you can see i'll give you this land we can't even wrap our heads around that right if we look out the doors right now, we would see the escarpment and nothing above it, and we would see the lake and maybe Toronto off in the distance, right? Imagine all of that is the land that God is promising you. Now, they could probably see more. I'm guessing that they didn't have a lake and the escarpment in the way, right? But um, so God gave them all of that, as far as Abram could see, all around him, um, So if you receive a promise or a call from God, you need to protect it at all costs. We see in Genesis 21, the promise is fulfilled. It says, the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. So God promised to Sarah and to Abraham that he would visit her, and that the Lord would do as he had promised. And Sarah conceived and bore Abraham, a son in his old age, at the time of which God had spoken to him. So God spoke to them about a time, and God spoke to them of a thing. So some lessons we can learn from Abraham. If you're taking notes, this is number one. Trust God's timing. We don't know. We don't know the timing of our calling. If you have a big call on your life, maybe you've received a prophetic word that you're going to go to the nations. Maybe you've received uh, just a a dream that you're going to lead worship, and again, you don't know how to play guitar. That can be a problem. We need to trust in God's timing. The right thing at the wrong time makes it the wrong thing. Don't try and rush the promise from God. That will lead you into some serious issues. We see this, actually, Abraham, if you're unfamiliar with the story, Abraham and Sarah, they are frustrated and fed up. They've spent 10 years trying, and nothing has happened. So she says to Abraham, we, we, we want to see this happen. So here's my, here's my servant girl. Her name's Hagar. Um, you're going to marry her, and you can try and have a baby with her. So he does. He, he just goes for it. He listens to her, and guess what? Believe it or not, sex works. Uh, they conceived, and um, just a freebie. That's what sex is for. <laughs> If you're not sure. Uh, so they do. And, uh, and Hagar bore the son named Ishmael to Abram. Now this was not the son of promise. This was them trying to rush their call. This was them trying to rush the timing of God. It was the right thing. He actually had a son, right? Ishmael was born, but he was not the son of promise. He was not even really recognized in God's eyes as his son because it wasn't to the right people. So God still honored his end of the promise. He promised that your descendants will be richly blessed and I'll make them numerous. So so he does. He gets sent away. Ishmael gets sent away with his mother and they are actually, they do flourish. It says in Genesis 16, the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, I will surely multiply your offspring so that they cannot be numbered for multitude. Like, you can't look at them and number them. You couldn't even guess that's how many. So the promise of God to Abram stood true, even though it wasn't the promised child. They just didn't trust the timing of God for their promise. So we don't need to know every detail. We just need to trust God. If you take nothing away from this, I hope you take this away from this sermon tonight. Trust God. His timing is perfect. So with that, we can actually pray into the timing and the details of our calling. I find that when I pray into what I feel like I'm called to, I I get two things. I get a, you need to be patient. And I get a, um, it's not not your season yet. So that might sound like the same thing. But patience isn't sitting still. If you're patient, you're moving. If you're patient, you're still doing things. Um, And the season just means it's not the place I'm to be is not ready for me. That's important to know. It's not ready for me. So God has a unique calling for you. You are uniquely called and gifted to accomplish what he has planned for you and through you. So with that, wisdom is really important. Wisdom looks like not sharing what you feel called to with just everybody. You're not handing out chocolate bars to your friends. You're sharing your calling. You've got to be careful who you share your calling with. Wisdom is knowing who is safe to share it with. But wisdom is also not carrying offense when you share it with the wrong person and they react in a negative way. Now, you might share your calling with a parent, And they might look you right in the eyes and say, yeah, I don't see that for you. If that's happened to you in this room, I want to say I'm sorry that that your parents spoke to you that way. But if you really honestly believe that's a call from God in your life, then it can be confirmed through other, other ways, through other people. So I want to encourage you with that tonight. Guarding your calling is important. Guarding your heart to not allow doubt to creep in, it will set you up for the long game. Guarding your heart to keep discouragement under control is like the most important thing you can do with your calling because you're not going to be doing what, if God calls you to something fresh tonight, you're not necessarily doing that tomorrow. So the discouragement can easily creep in. You need to really guard yourself from that. Is there anyone in this room? I actually know there is, but I'm going to ask anyway. Is there anyone here named Isaac? Can you tell us what Isaac means? He laughs? One who laughs? Yeah. You're right. <laughs> and we all laughed. <clears throat> so when God told Abram and Sarai they would have a baby. They both laughed from doubt. This is after Ishmael was born. God reaffirmed to them, you're going to have a baby. And they both laugh. They're doubting the promise of God. So Genesis 21 actually shows the birth of Isaac, who we talked about. And in verse 6 it says, Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh over me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham and Sarah, would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age. Abraham is 100 years old (laughs) when Isaac is born. If you do the math, but what I talked about earlier, that's 25 years of waiting from the time God gave him that promise until it's fulfilled. I would say a good majority of you here are probably not even yet 25 years old. Right? That's a long time to carry that promise. That's a lifetime for some of you. Sarah is 90 years old when she gives birth to Isaac. Which is why they both laugh. I mean, it makes sense. So, they didn't guard themselves from doubt. They allowed doubt to creep in. So when they're given this this reaffirmation from God, I mean, if God is telling you something and you laugh, that's not, that's got to really question your heart. Where's your heart at, right? Guard your heart from doubt. Now, after about 12 years goes by, and Abraham is, again, he's, Told by God, hey, take your son, your only son, your child of promise, this boy Isaac, whom I love and you love, we all love him. He's the best dude. I mean, he makes us all laugh. Um, You're going to take him, and you're going to go up that mountain, and I want you to kill him and burn him as an offering before me. So he... He does it. He listens to God. He's 112 years old, and he takes his son up this mountain. And in verse 12 of Genesis 22, he says, God speaks to Abraham. And he's literally, like, he's gone up the mountain with his son. He's tied him up. He's put him on the altar. And, like, you're 112 years old. Your 12-year-old son could probably overpower you. I don't know how that went down, but somehow he managed to bind him and get him on the altar. And he's like got the knife to literally murder his son. The son who he's literally at this point has been like loving and praying for and hoping for and crying out for for 37 years. He raises the knife to kill him because he's trying to listen to what God said. And God says... Do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. I don't know if any of you here, many of you anyways, are parents. But if God asked me to take my child up the mountain to murder him, I feel like I would have a really hard time with that. Um... I love my son. He's almost eight years old, and he's a real rascal. He loves Pastor Matt <laughs> uh, and Sergio. But. Um, here's my third point. When it comes to your calling, if the timing is right, and you've guarded your heart, and it's time, we have a tendency to allow fear to stop us from entering the Promised Land we have a tendency to allow anxiety to stop us from doing what God is calling us to do. That's the enemy trying to speak to you to stop you from doing it. Um, Whatever God has called you to, if you can't do it brave, do it scared. You have permission to do it scared. In this culture, we feel like um, we need to do everything with bravery, like put on our armor and look at me, I'm here. I'm ready to fight the dragon that you've called me to kill. Life is not like that. A lot of people who succeed in life actually just face things when they're terrified and do it anyways. They face their fear. God is more interested in your obedience than your bravery, Now, a New Testament example is um, there's a young Jewish man named Saul who is like just loves Judaism and finds out Christianity is happening and he's dragging Christians away and throwing them in jail. And he literally watches one of the, one of the earlier Christians uh, get stoned to death right in front of him for, for sharing his faith. Now, this guy Saul, he's... He's just doing this with his zeal, thinking he's doing the right thing for God. Well, he gets a visitation from Jesus. It's the sovereign move of God, knocks him off his horse. He's literally riding his horse to another town so he can persecute and drag away more Christians. God comes and this guy off his horse and blinds him and says... Saul, why are you persecuting me? So he's blinded, and the only way he can receive his sight is if somebody will go and lay their hands on him and pray for him. And so God speaks to a man named Ananias, and he says, there is a man named Saul who's in a room on a town, or on a road, and gives him all the details. And he says this, you need to lay your hands on him So that he can receive his vision, because he's been blinded. And so, Acts 9 says, So Ananias departed and entered the house. And laying his hand on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you came, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Now, if this guy, Ananias, did not go to this guy who's literally like second-degree murder has just happened, and this guy, Ananias, is a Christian, and he knows God spoke to him, and he needs to go to this murderer and literally lay his hands on him, and this guy will receive his sight. You can't tell me that he was doing that brave. There is no amount of... Convincing that you could do to tell me that he wasn't terrified of this guy, if he receives a sight, maybe he 's going to pull out a knife from his back pocket and you know, a little in the gut. a little stabby I don't know. Like the dude was like knocked off a horse. he's probably hurt a little bit, but like I don 't know. So Ananias had to be brave, and if he wasn't brave. He had to do it scared. Now, if I only did things when I was brave, I wouldn't do anything in my life. Part of my testimony is I was just riddled with fear from the time I was a child. It wasn't until I was 23 years old that somebody looked me in the eyes and said, has anybody ever told you you can do whatever you want in life? That has never, that didn't even, that wasn't on my radar. That wasn't a part of how I grew up. In fact, when I was in grade eight, I still remember this. We did a test that was like one of those, uh, this is what your personality is best suited for as a career. We did one of those tests. And like all the, all the popular kids were getting like lawyer and accountant and like all the really high end, like engineer The one girl is actually an architect and teaches architecture that was in my class, so super cool. So people are getting like, awesome stuff, like, these sounds like prophetic words. Right? Do you want to know what I got? Now, no knock on you if this is your job, but if you're looking at it that way, I got garbage, man. I was in grade eight, and this test told me All I was good for was picking up other people's trash. Like, I never saw myself as someone who could own a successful business. I never saw myself as somebody who could lead worship to a room full of people. I never saw myself as someone who could be preaching to you tonight and trying to look you guys in the eyes. But God is in the process of qualifying me for what He's called me to. I wasn't called to do something based in fear. I wasn't called to do something where I could just hide in the shadows. And if you're called to that, that's okay. That's totally cool. But that's not my story. Now, if you said that to 13-year-old AJ, that he wouldn't be picking up trash on the side of the highway or driving a garbage truck, I wouldn't have believed you Now, God didn't didn't call me to be a leader to a missions team of 16 people going to Guatemala this year because I was qualified to do that. No, definitely not. I mean, I was terrified. I couldn't even order my own McDonald's. But he called me first, and then he's qualifying me as we go. Moses couldn't speak without stuttering. God told him to go. And he was like, I just, I I can't do it. But God gave him the ability to perform miracles. And he gave him his brother who could speak for him. Jesus called Simon and Andrew to leave fishing to become fishers of men. These guys, their life was on the sea. Their life was basically loneliness, you're throwing a net into the sea and you're dragging in fish. They weren't preaching to thousands of people. But Simon becomes Peter, who becomes the first leader of the church after Jesus leaves. Just like Saul becomes Paul, the author of the majority of the New Testament, God takes people who are not necessarily qualified and calls them. So don't let the enemy steal your calling. Don't let your guard down. If you've let your guard down in the past, know this, you can allow God to speak to you tonight into your calling. I want to pray for you about that, but hear this. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed any longer to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. What is good and acceptable and perfect? If we allow God to transform our, our thinking and renew our minds and renew our hearts, it says it right here. By testing, we may discern what is the will of God. So would you all just close your eyes around the room? We're going to pray. God, I thank you for each person here. Lord, I thank you that you've called us all As an individual, you've given us all a unique calling. And Lord, I pray for the season that we're in, God, that maybe there's some here tonight who are feeling so discouraged, like, it's cool that you're talking about this stuff, AJ, but I just don't feel like I'm called to do anything. I don't know what it is. And Lord, tonight, I ask that for those people who are in this room, Lord, that you would make it so clear to them that they would hear your voice so clear, they'd know you, and it would be confirmed through other people, Lord. Would you bring your encouragement? Would you bring strength, Lord? And would we do it scared, God, when we're feeling like maybe we can't do it on our own strength? Because, Lord, you are our strength. God, would you help us to trust your timing? That we wouldn't rush to the next thing, thinking that it's what's best for us, but, God, that we would trust your timing in all, in all things, God. Lord, give us faith to believe tonight. As we are guarding our calling, God, would you stand with us? Would your shield be all around us, Lord? I ask right now that you'd help us to know what we're called to in this season. And God, give us vision for what's next. And God, I ask that you would redeem the seasons in the past where we've trampled on your calling, where we've forgotten it, or where we've thought, maybe that's not actually for me. But God, would you redeem those things? We ask this in your name, Jesus, that hearts would be returned to you, that that minds and calling and destiny and would just be restored tonight in the name of Jesus. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Lake Mount Young Adults Podcast. For more information, please visit us at lakemount.ca or follow us on Instagram at lakemountYA. Have an amazing week and we hope to see you soon.